We're ready to get into the Word today. We're going to be in Isaiah, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, if you can be turning there. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. We're going to be talking about the Prince of Peace. Everybody there? Yeah, Nadia is uh, singing, brought tears to my eyes, so I'm trying to recover from that. That it was an amazing song. All right, let's read. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now Isaiah had just recently had a son come into the world. His name is probably the longest name in the whole Bible. And uh, I believe it's in, it's in, uh, it's in chapter 8. You can see uh, the first verse of chapter 8. It's, uh, I don't know if I should even try to pronounce this, but it's Meher Shelah Hashbaz. And it's a whole bunch of letters. And I thought about... Um, taking Joseph's whiteboard that he likes to use when he's doing Bible studies and stuff and, and set it up here and write it out and see if it would fit across that whiteboard. But that is uh, an actual son that was born to Isaiah. And as you're reading this portion of Scripture, you could say, well, he, he is talking about that son of his that he actually has. And a lot of times in prophecy, the prophet will be talking about something that has happening at that moment. It's for real, but he's at the same time talking about something in the future. We see it throughout the prophecies. We can see in Ezekiel and, uh, and, and other places in Isaiah where Ezekiel is talking to a person on earth but yet, as he talks to him, he is, he's talking about something that's, that is not seen, something that could be in the future or something that has happened in the past from when he's actually talking to the person. So we, you have to be very careful when you're reading Scripture and to, to be open to read it all the way through and to start to pick out certain words that tell you that he's not talking about the little baby that happens to be right there with him. When you see upon the throne of David and upon, upon his kingdom to order it, and then at the end of that it says forever. When you, when you start to see everlasting and forever, that's not a person, a normal person. Their kingdoms will never last forever. So you have to pick out those things. 
Now, we know that this uh, is talking about Jesus Christ, our Savior. We know that. But notice how it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a, a son is given. And it's not being repetitive. Those two phrases are there for a reason. And they're very different. Talking about the same Savior that's coming into this world. Now, this Christmas season, we talk about this every year. We do it. And it is an amazing time of year. I think it's the correct time of year. If you, you'll hear people on the internet, different scholars and theologians, and they'll try to make it out to where Christmas is, or, or Jesus was not born at this time. Well, I think he was. I think that, well, I've heard a certain person that I really like who's really into history, and he had gone back into the Jewish records, and he found when uh, certain priests would go into the temple to do what they're called to do, and only one priest was, was able to go into the Holy of Holies. And when you, when you think about... John the Baptist about ready to come into this world and his father and mother being so old and then the angel talking to his father while he was inside of that. Then the baby is finally on its way and you, you do the math, you have John the Baptist six months and you, you, they, so you can go back to Jewish records and find out when that happened and then do the math, and Jesus was born at this time of year, okay? So, I'm, I don't have a problem at all with Christmas, uh, and, and we celebrate Jesus' birth at Christmas time. There's people who try to, uh, I just think it's trying to uh, make it insignificant, and people want to diminish the birth of Jesus. Yes, we have messed up this Christmas time. Uh, it's become very commercialized. But we remember it every year. So, where do you see in the Bible where you're going to see a child is born? We start thinking about Matthew and Luke. That's the Christmas story of when Jesus was actually born as a little child into this earth. A son given. How was that different? And where do we see that? in the Gospels. Which Gospel talks more about a son given, not necessarily a child born? That would be John. So if you want to get somebody, uh, ask them where, which Gospel is the best one for the very beginning of Jesus. Most people think that Jesus was, he showed up when he was born at Bethlehem. Well, guess what? Jesus was here way longer before that. So, I'm going to read out of John 1, a few verses out of uh, John 1. This is the first chapter of the Gospel of John. So, when, you, when you, somebody asks you, when's the first mention of Jesus? In John chapter 1 it says, In the beginning was the Word. Notice it's a capital W, a Word. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Go over to verse 11. It says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now look at 14. And the Word, capital W Word, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There it is. There's the answer right there in 14. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And then John the Baptist ended up, ended up saying in, in uh, verse 29, look over at 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So why did, uh, why did Jesus come? Why was this child born and this son given? Between deity and humanity, there was a great gulf. Christ, by his incarnation, bridged that great, great gulf. Or you can think about the story of uh, Jacob's ladder. And there was uh, that, that vision of this ladder, and there was angels ascending and descending. Do you know how far heaven is? If you, if you built an amazing spaceship, and you got in it, and you started to travel, you know, we humans think we're real smart, right? And we do some amazing things, but the spaceships that we build and we travel into space, where does it get us to? It gets us way, way up into space, and it seems like it's so far away, but do you realize how far away from heaven you are, even going that far out into space? And we just get ourselves to a place where we can't survive, and if we were taken out there and said, okay, get out. Even if we found a nice big planet to land on, get out, plant a garden, grow your food. Is it going to work? No. We're smart enough to get ourselves so far out that's impressive to man. But when we get there, there's no way to live whatsoever. You're going to die. Or we can become smart enough to get way down in the ocean. I mean, way down there. Maybe even go see a graveyard called the Titanic. And when you get there, it's one of the most dangerous places you can be. You don't want to be there. But we're so smart to get ourselves there. You know, the, this verse that we read out of uh, Isaiah 9, uh, he, Jesus is, is, is called many things. This child that's going to be born at the time Isaiah wrote it, 750 years from it happening. Now, we're 2,000 years past it happening. 
But Isaiah is writing this, and, and look at the gifts that this child that is going to be born, this son that is going to be given, he, he's going to be a wonderful counselor. Do we need a counselor? I mean, look at, look at this world that we live in and how messed up it is. We need, well, you know, it's not bad to have counselors. Here on this earth, we have people who can help. You are going through troubled times, and you can go to a counselor. Now, if you, if you have any experience with counselors, uh, psychiatrists, and those types of people, well, I heard a famous person one time say, you know, every psychiatrist needs a psychiatrist. I have met counselors, and they have listened to so many of people's problems, they are messed up. I mean, they are very depressed people. I've met some of them. Very depressed, good-hearted, wanting to help people, but they become very depressed and I mean, Hildred can tell you, he's, he knows a lot of people. We used to know some people. He used to do praise and worship at the jail. And we know a lot of people who've gone through the jail that their lives, lives are messed up. They need counselors. But they need this counselor right here, this wonderful counselor. You know, uh, getting back to how smart we are, we can, we can think up ways to go out into outer space. But that same program that, that helped us get into outer space, that same knowledge was used to be able to send nuclear weapons to other continents. You know, atomic energy is a great, clean way to have power, but evil people turned it into ways to annihilate the whole Earth. We're so smart to come up with that idea, but then use it for something horrible. We have all these different medical inventions that are great, but then we end up using them for bad things, or evil people use them. You got, we got biological warfare. We have viruses that have been made up and, and, and are able to be sent out and kill many, many people. So we, so we need that counselor. We need that mighty God, uh, the everlasting Father. See, Jesus, you're like, well, no, Jesus is the Son. How, how, why would this say everlasting Father? Well, I just read it to you in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He made everything. So we need that. We need, Jesus came here for the reason of bridging that huge gap that was between heaven and earth. Being born as a child, he was very human. Very human. And just imagine Mary uh, holding baby Jesus in her arms, and at the same time, he was in charge of the whole universe as being a little baby being held in her arms. As God... He laid his hands on the throne and fulfilled all its holy requirements. As man, he places his hands upon humanity and meets humanity's needs. He always and eternally was, talking about Jesus. 
He did not enter into existence at His birth, but merely a new form of existence. He is the eternal pre-existent one. Now I'm going to read a little bit to you out of my Spurgeon Bible. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, had a lot to say about it. He's got a few a few places in this Bible where he does notes. And um, I'll uh, back up from uh, Isaiah, Isaiah 9, back up a couple of chapters to Isaiah 7. This is a famous verse. You'll, you'll know it when you hear it. Isaiah 7, 14. What does it say? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Charles Spurgeon said about this verse, he said, This is a sweet name, Emmanuel. Others in ancient times called their children by names that had meaning in them. They did not give them the names of eminent persons whom they would likely grow up to hate and wish they had never known or heard of. They had names full of meaning that recorded some circumstance of their birth. There are many similar, similar instances in those days, and perhaps this custom was a good one among the Hebrews. Though the peculiar formation of, of our language might not allow us to do the same except in a limited way. We see, therefore, that Jesus bore the name Emmanuel, because that name means God with us. This is the name of him who is born today. This is his name, God with us. That is God with us by his incarnation for the hallowed creator of the world it did walk on this globe. He who made 10,000 orbs, each of them more mighty and more vast than this earth, became the inhabitant of this tiny planet. So that matches up with uh, mighty God. He, he who was from everlasting, to, from everlasting to everlasting came to this world of time and stood on the narrow neck of land between two massive seas. God with us. He has not lost that name. Jesus had that name on earth and he, was, he has it now in heaven. He is now God with us. So without... Without, without Jesus bridging that gap, we wouldn't have God with us. It's impossible to get to God. It's impossible, impossible to, be, to get to the Father except through Jesus himself. Here's another prophecy from another prophet, Micah. This is Micah chapter 5, verse 2. says, But thou, Bethlehem Epaphra, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. There's a key word there. So Spurgeon said, If we were to ask if Christ has always existed, we answer yes, for our text says, whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Christ has had his goings forth in his Godhead. He has not been 
a secret and a silent person until his birth in Bethlehem. That newborn child has worked wonders long before now. That infant slumbering in his mother's arms was the infant of that day, but also the ancient of eternity. He served his people as their, as their representative before the throne of God, even before they were begotten in the world. It was from everlasting that his mighty fingers grasped the, the pen, the stylus of ages, and wrote his own name, the name of the eternal Son of God. It was from everlasting that he signed the, the compact with his father, that he would pay blood for blood, wound for wound, suffering for, suffer, for suffering, agony for agony, and death for death on the behalf of his people. It was from everlasting that he gave himself up without a murmuring word, that from the crown of his head and the sole of his feet he might, he might sweat blood, and that he might be spit on, pierced, mocked, torn asunder, and suffer the pain of death and the agonies of the cross. Pause my soul and wonder. We had origins in the person of Jesus from everlasting. Not only when we were born into the world did Christ love us, but his delights were with people before there were any of them. He often thought of them from everlasting to everlasting. He had set his affection on them. So that's out of Micah 5.2, another prophecy of his birth and um, coming into this world. So think about when he says the government shall be upon his shoulders. See, that is, that is what Jesus came to do. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Think about the cross upon his shoulder, carrying the cross that we should have carried. So he's a substitution. Think about substitution and that cross being on his shoulder. With this verse, uh, the government shall be upon his shoulders. And then two, the lamb led to the slaughter. Remember John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So that lamb being led to the slaughter for our salvation. So we have substitution and salvation. Three, the names of his people written in the Lamb's book of life. Security. We are sealed by the Holy Ghost because of the substitution the salvation, and now we have security. The ways of Christ, number four, the ways of Christ, which is his government. See, we don't like that word government. But that's just, you know, government is just a system. It's a way to keep people protected. So when you see the government upon his shoulders, just think of Christ's ways, his ways, his government. That will give, if you follow God's ways, if you follow the Word of God and His ways, and you let Jesus be the Lord of your life, if He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, uh, then you're going to have satisfaction in this life. Even when things are going terribly wrong, you still are satisfied because you know that the Lamb of God was your substitute, your salvation, He's your security forever and ever, you have eternal life, you will be satisfied. So, is he your substitute, savior, securer, and satisfier? Now, what was his designation for coming into this world? 
We've already talked about being a wonderful counselor. He will be the best counselor ever. You know, you can, you can uh, counsel people all you want. It might help for a period of time. But if you don't introduce them to the wonderful counselor, it's all going to be short. Mighty God. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's always everywhere and unchangeable. The everlasting Father. In Revelation 22, you don't have to turn there if you don't want, but Revelation 22, it says, in verse 13, it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That's Jesus speaking over here in Revelation. It's words in red. Then you go down to 16, it says, uh, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So he has always been and always will be the everlasting father. Colossians chapter 1. Listen closely. Colossians chapter 1. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet or suited to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, which is Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins." who is the image of the invisible God. See, if Jesus didn't come down here and be born as a human being, we can't connect with God. God is invisible. He's a spirit. So who is the image, talking about Christ, of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created. See, Jesus created all things that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell." And having made peace, Jesus made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. The Prince of Peace. All we've done in every effort that we make as human beings to 
have peace only amounts into more war. <laughs> think about the further we go along. In this country, think about this country, not, not necessarily the whole world. The whole world has already been an example for us. We've seen other places in the world turn away from Jesus Christ, just completely turn away from Him, and watch what has happened. Okay, in America, we are doing the same thing. Watch what happens. Do we have peace? We don't have any peace because we have shut out the Prince of Peace. We've shut him out of almost everything in our society. The Prince of Peace. Peace. Number one, Jesus came into this earth. He came to bring it. I'm talking about peace that only God can give. He came to bring it, number one. Number two, He died to secure it. Number three, He rose to proclaim it. Number four, He lives to impart it. Number five, where's Jesus at now? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. What's He doing? He intercedes to maintain it. Number six, He shall come again to spread it through all the earth. Should be a number seven. What's number seven? While we, Christians, are watching and waiting, we are to preach it, teach it, live it, be a witness of that peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your word. And Father, I thank you for the people who came here today to uh, join in worship. And Father, the beautiful songs that we heard today. And Father, I just ask that we would all prepare our hearts for this Christmas season that we would be thinking of Christ throughout it all and being a witness for that peace that only He can bring us. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.